everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast, the podcast focusing on Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. And Derek, we've had a match this weekend. I mean, there's been a few uh, rugby matches going on, but uh, the one in uh, nation's capital, which is uh, something that happened as you can see, I'm trying to delay the inevitable as much yeah. as possible. I mean, um, you know, there were a lot of upsets, people could say, this weekend. You know, um, Ireland upset New Zealand, uh, England upset Australia, Wales upset South Africa. So if you're looking to be upset, then the game in Ottawa was definitely one for you, because I'm pretty sure everyone felt <laughs> upset when they saw that scoreline. Uh, yeah, maybe a different meaning of upset. You left off uh, Georgia beating Italy, though. That's the big. Oh yes, of course. Um, how, could, how could I forget? We have to completely redo world rugby structure, and the Six Nations has to be completely redone now. So yes, because Georgia Georgia won one game. So yeah, exactly, to- exactly that. That's the thing, and we can base everything off one game and one game only. That's why Wales are currently world champions. And yeah, well, did you see that one? I saw, I thought I saw somewhere on Reddit where someone was like, because Georgia beat Italy and then Italy has beaten Wales, and it goes through the time like every team that has beaten everybody in the last year. So, based on this logic, Georgia is like better than the All Blacks and South Africa. Yeah, no, I mean, well, that, yeah, that is how it, that is how it works. I know I, I don't make the rules, that's just how it works. Georgia is the number one team in the world right now, exactly. And uh, you know, I think, and I think it's time we have the conversation. I mean. Uh, all Blacks falling to their lowest position in the world rankings. You know, maybe uh, maybe we should get rid of them for the rugby championship and give uh, Japan what, or Fiji uh, time in the, the spotlight. Yeah, what, what did the All Blacks fall to? Uh, their lowest ranking ever? Yeah. Fourth. Oh, man. Just, just wrap it up. Wrap it up, lads. Yeah. Kind of call it a day. It's all over. No point carrying on. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, I know, man. That's going to be... Uh... Wow, there must just be just anarchy in New Zealand right now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that. Uh, could you imagine like the Canadian men's hockey team dropping to fourth in the world rankings? It'd be chaos. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I, was, I mean, there's a huge depression over New Zealand at the moment. And then I'm going to be talking about the weather in New Zealand as well. Um, now, this were, yeah. I mean, it, it was very. Uh, slighted that Ireland could become world number one again. Instead, it's uh, the current uh, Northern Hemisphere champions, France, that are located at the top spot for the first time. France is rolling right now, though. Yeah. They're, they're and, and, be- and they're doing it at a perfect time. Yeah, you know, it, it, one it, year before a World Cup. Absolutely. Yeah. Just ask the Irish. They know everything about that. And you know, it's like- never, ever gone wrong for them. Home World Cup for France too, man. Like that's uh, that's a lot to build up to. Obviously, too, the other big game that we have to talk, we we should probably mention uh, um, the USA beating Chile by one point in like torrential rain. Oh yeah, in Chile, but um, yeah, enough to ask. Geez, that's a that's a tight game, man. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah. Americans, um, take it from us who have led the first leg of a series by one point. Uh, don't hold on. Don't rest on your laurels. Um, this isn't going to be as easy as you think it is. Um, yeah. At, so at least, get used to that. At least the USA get their second leg at home, though. So it's like they're going back home. 
right? So that's like that's a little bit nicer for them. Um, yeah. Do that. Um, but I think we do have to mention though too, like that Fernandez try was probably the best try of the weekend. Yeah, uh, definitely, well, definite contender yeah, for try of the year, right there. Yeah, that was unreal. Like, um, yo, to do that, and he's like stepping through like puddles the entire way up the pitch too, like. And stepping, ah, that was that was an unreal try. Uh, Gaston Mirez too, with a, a beauty little try set up with a massive run for in the Romania versus Uruguay game. So that was nice to see him still balling out in uh, in Uruguay. And uh, yeah, man, that was a, yeah, a couple yeah, good. You know, it was a pretty good rugby weekend all around. Yeah, always good to see uh, Gaston get uh, the opportunity to stretch his legs and uh, keep reminding everyone just how good he uh, is. And yeah, that was a really nice thing to see but i think we've uh, delayed it long enough i think it's time we talk about uh, canada versus spain in ottawa so this was the second game of the summer fixtures for the men's team uh, the first of course being last week's game against belgium and you know we were saying that spain are going to provide a real test obviously they are or they were six places above uh, canada in the world rankings and the last time uh, Spain faced Canada, you know, Canada was a very different team. Spain was a very different team as well. Uh, this has only been their third encounter ever. And, you know, it's worth remembering that Spain technically qualified for the Rugby World Cup before another technicality got them disqualified. So are we all in agreement that it's absolute nonsense that Spain's not in the World Cup? I think it is a lot of we don't want to have egg on our face, so we're going to stick with the decision that we've already yeah. made. And yeah, as in they should, they, be there. yeah. I feel yeah. bad for them. And all. I, I do feel bad for them. It's uh, one player, one team making. Uh, well, especially especially cost. after like the other major rule change that R- World Rugby just passed too. For yeah, people. yeah, and yeah, it's uh, uh, you look at like yeah. the Tongan roster right now, and but. Spain yeah. play at the World Cup, you know. It is what it is. Yeah. So, um, so keeping in mind that Spain are a strong team, they've proven themselves to be a strong team probably for the last, uh, you know, five years or so. Yeah, they've been and, for a while. Okay, and yeah, they came into this game as like the firm favorites. Anyway, um, and sure enough, it was Spain that got the first score of the game with a try in the sixth minute, and then the eleventh minute, and then the sixteenth minute, and the twenty-first minute. And so, four tries, four conversions, I believe. No, sorry, sorry, three of them were converted. There was only one that uh, missed the uh, boot of orders. Um, and in the same time frame, Canada had only been able to score two penalties from the boot of PNLs in the ninth and 19th minute. So if this was an MLR game, Spain would have already secured the bonus point by the 21st minute. Um, and then Spain decided to keep on scoring, um, but not before Lindsay Stevens was able to power over the line and get his first try on, on his first start as well for Canada, which is, you know, the silverest of linings. Um, but then Spain answered back with a try in the 33rd minute and then the try in the 36th minute. 
Um, those two were converted, which gave the lead of 40 points to uh, 15. Yeah, 40. So it's 40 15 at halftime. So basically, Spain had scored a point for every minute they had played. It's 40 13 at halftime. Oh, so it was even worse than I thought it was. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, let's 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 get this right. Let's. Uh, yeah, yeah. We have to uh, provide an accurate portrayal of the. Uh, yeah, so how bad it was. So yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it just seemed as though Spain were drilled in for the first half. You know, there were so many errors coming from Canada, and so, the annoying thing is what they were unforced errors as well. That was. I think that was a real pain. But we move on to the second half and, you know, it just started, same as the first, uh, Spain scoring a try almost immediately. Uh, but then uh, momentum seemed to swing back to Canada's side as Rumble was able to get over a few minutes later for Canada's second try. Uh, and then it was followed up by another Spanish try, but uh, the conversion was missed on that one. And uh, finally, uh, Spain got their last uh, score of the game in the 65th minute, uh, which was Alonso getting his second try. And again, that conversion went wide. And then, you know, firmly on 57 points to 20, uh, it seemed that Spain didn't really decide to put any more effort in at that point. And I'd say by like the 70th minute, they just took their foot off the gas altogether. Uh, Kaino Lloyd was able to get over for another try. And um, between that try and Jack McRogers getting his first try, as well as his first cap for Canada as well, um, Spain received two yellow cards within the space of two minutes. So Abotis and Pinero um, both got yellow carded, which brought Spain down to 13 men. And then McRogers was able to get over and... Yeah, unfortunately, it looked as though Canada were going to go for another score, but a missed pass just went into touch. And that ended the game where it was. The final score, Spain 57, Canada 34. So even though I've mentioned uh, some negatives, and there are a lot of negatives to talk about in this game, I just want to bring out like a very brief positive, is that, okay, 40-13, uh, you know, not great. I'll admit, but in the second half, because of uh, Spain's misconversion and because of Canada finally being able to string plays together and capitalize on um, Spain's errors and just get some attacking play strung together, um, in the second half, the scoring was 21-17 to Canada. And uh, I put out a tweet saying that, you know, amongst the rubble, there is a foundation um, in this team. There is some plan of which these players can come together and challenge stronger teams, teams higher up the rankings. Not, I'm not talking about like the tier one nations, because we clearly know that that's not going to happen. But once there seemed to be a moment of clarity amongst the Canadian attack, it seemed to string together. There were that, so for example, um, 
Lucas Rumble able to spot the gap. Uh, Jack McRogers able to power over with the driving mall for another try to um, soften the blow for Canada. Um, and that's the thing is that I know that we're going to be mentioning uh, Kingsley Jones over the next uh, few minutes as well. Um, <laughs> but is that... Does he come up in conversation after these games very often? Is, uh... Uh, well, certain things come up about him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if their focus of Rugby Canada is for uh, 2027 qualification and 2031 qualification and focusing on getting young players into the squad and giving them more chances as well as... Um, you know, just focusing on what the qualification journey will be in 2025, I believe, or 2024, 2025. Yeah. Uh, again, it ha- nothing's been announced yet, so we can't really uh, give a firm idea. Of you know what when it's going to be. It's 2025. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is the this is the time, especially in a game where for both teams, it doesn't really matter who wins or who loses, so long as you can like impress the higher ups, I suppose. Uh, and there was a, some opportunities for um, these players to impress. So, when I say there's a foundation amongst the rubble, there is something there that I can see in this Canadian team. However, there is a lot of rubble to sift through to get to that foundation, and. Yeah, it's just, there's so many things to bring up. There's uh, Peter Nelson kicking out on the full. Um, there was two lineouts in the Spanish 22 in the space of like three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. One was overthrown. The second one was knocked on. One went and, back for a try. <laughs> yeah, that this <laughs> is yeah th- this attacking <laughs> structure and these. These elements of the game, which should come up in like the basics of, mm. um, you know, this is how you throw a ball at the line out. This is how you call these attacking plays. You know, if it didn't work the first time, what makes you think it's going to work again the second time? This is the frustration that a lot of Canadian fans are having at the moment. My, well, and I'm speaking from my, my personal perspective of we keep doing the same things and we keep coming up short where it needs to matter. And yet we still continue doing these things. I'm just repeating the definition of insanity over and over again. And it seems as though no one in the coaching staff appears to be listening to be able to say, especially for a game like this, where it didn't matter. You know, both teams have been um, eliminated from the World Cup contention this game was originally going to be against the French Barbarians, but okay, now it became a cap game. So we are talking about world rankings at this point, by which and on and on that topic, uh, Canada has now slipped to twenty second in the men's world rankings. So what like, ju- I'm just like, do something different. Do yeah. anything different. I. I'm okay with you conceding 57 points if you were trying something new and it didn't work out. That's okay. But it's the same thing again, the same lazy attacking structure, the same easy-to-read forward plays, the same box-kicking that doesn't get you territory. There was a couple. There was a couple that they gained early in the game. It faded quick, but there was a couple early in the game that worked, but... 
Yeah, but that's the thing, is that if you keep doing it, the other team recognizes what you're doing. And this has happened not just with Spain, it's happened with uh, Portugal, it's happened with Chile as well. The attacking structure that Canada is adopting and that Kingsley Jones is using doesn't work. And the only person that seems to think that it does is Kingsley Jones himself. And... Yeah, yeah. But that, those are my thoughts. I mean, what are your thoughts, Derek? It's definitely it's been a rough go for rugby Canada in the past uh, couple of years here, and I mean, um, I think we've done enough podcasts where the team has lost to, you know, we say the same thing over and over again on a lot of these. Um, I think for this game in particular, like it's uh, you know, it, it it is one of those things where. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, the, the fact that Canada outscored them, what was it, 21-17 in the second half? Um, yeah. You know, that's that comes up as a positive, which I suppose it is, but unfortunately the 40 points Spain scored in the first half also count. Um, yeah. Right? So it's like, you know, it's uh, that I think that is a – I kind of think that that's a similar – like, it's like you're trying that, – that to me is like you're trying to pull positives – out um it's uh, like a, like i mean i think if we're going to criticize kingsley jones for bringing up that usa win um yeah. right and it's like well ultimately you lost that series and it's like you know you outscored a team in the second half when well one that team the other team was still better in the second half but also i mean i, I think spain check mentally checked out of this game um around probably the 60 65th minute yeah. Uh, whenever when Alonzo scored that try, it was like as evidenced by just like they just got they got super lazy in the last ten minutes, as evidenced by the two yellow cards too. Yeah. Um, right, and I mean it's a nothing game at the end of the day, right? So, um, but I think yeah, there's definitely uh, yeah. Th- 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 so there is some positive things that you can take from it. As we mentioned, it's nice to see Stevens, McRogers get their first tries. They're, you know, obviously from the back of lineup malls. And um, when they're on the backs of malls, then, um, you know, it's uh, those, as you know, I, I have learned from talking to hookers when you mention uh, how many tries they've scored, they're quick to bring up that uh, they just happen to be the guy at the back of the mall. So, you know, their team tries, but either way, it's still nice to see. Um, Nice to, you know, nice to see, uh, honestly, nice to see some guys like, uh, like Matthew, uh, Oroo get a near 70 minute shift, um, yeah. you know, get build up some of that experience. I mean, he, uh, you know, he made some mistakes in the game for sure, but he also, uh, you know, had some good plays and hopefully, you know, he can take, he can learn from like the positive things that he did and help grow and, you know, also learn from those negative things to, uh, you know, not necessarily repeat them and, uh, you know, continue to grow and become a better rugby player. Um, the what, yeah, like it's, uh, I mean, watching this game, it's like the, um, I said, I said, it, uh, before the series and before the game against Belgium, I guess on our podcast, what would that have been two weeks ago that like kind of, like, I don't really care what the scores of these games are like win or lose. It's, you want to see the signs, um, that change is coming, that there's some positive growth and stuff. And um, the game against Belgium, it was nice, right? Um, you saw, I think, I think we saw some of the, 
you know, different, you know, attacking structures, different plays from the line out, um, some different, like, you know, attacking plays from the line out and stuff. Um, they're doing that new thing where it's like, it's usually Quinn Nawadi, but they're pulling some forwards into the line out. Um, you know, that, that's man, they managed to score a couple tries against Belgium using that setup. And um, I believe Rumball's try, even though it took them a couple extra phases to actually get it. Um, it was the same lineout setup. I think that that's helped set that try up. Um, so they're still kind of using that. A couple of their set piece plays off scrums and stuff that did work against Belgium didn't work against Spain. Um, so maybe you got to reevaluate that. Um, as you kind of mentioned as well, the lineout, um, like the mall, the mall seems good. Like yeah. once they actually get to the mall, the mall seems good. Yeah. The problem is getting to that point. Yeah. Um, far too many overthrown lineouts. Um, far too many like, and even the ones that weren't necessarily overthrown, there was a lot of ones that were dropped or knocked on too. Yeah. Um, the as as we already touched on, the one glaringly bad one was the. Uh, um, unfortunately, it's the first one that Jack McRogers was on the field for, I believe, um, once he came in, but he. Uh, that the lineout didn't connect in the one. Well, well, when you're looking at the camera for the game, the can that has the lineout, I guess, in the the uh, lower right hand corner of the field, yeah. five meters out, and within a minute or a minute, minute and a half, maybe Spain scored a try in the top left corner of the field, um, yeah. right, just off of off a botched lineout, a huge line break, and uh, there was that. I think the. Um, so, I mean, there's obviously like the line ho probably like, I mean, if you're going to compare it to World Cup teams, the lineup doesn't seem to be at that standard. Um, no. Teams to kind of compete um, in the World Cup, um, at least right now. So that that's definitely something to be worked on too. The, uh, the defensive structure um, in this game, and I, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I guess, playing against Belgium, we were like, yeah, defense, not too bad. Um, you know, obviously they had a bagel on the board against Belgium last week, but yeah. um, Spain, especially in the first half, showed and displayed everything wrong with the Canadian defensive structure. Um, yeah. Right. Like, uh, like if you I think like it's almost one of those things. It's like if you're like a future team playing against Canada. Right. Yeah. It's like you should just dissect this Spain game and be like, this is how we beat them if they play this way. Yeah, because right? um, there's there was a lot of gaps, and I mean, a lot of it really came. It's like um, like a lot of it just really came. It's like it felt like there was just too many guys, just simply like out of position on yeah. a lot of things, right? Where it's like oh, like the Spain was the the unreal stat that TSN showed at the end of the game was the uh, like the amount of line breaks. Like Spain had eleven line breaks. Yeah, or whatever, right? And Canada barely had any. Um, just and you know, most of those created their try scoring opportunities. And um, the uh, like the other stat that kind of blew my mind in this game too was it was um, Canada had more possession in the game, but like really did not feel like it at all. Um, just because of how clinical, like literally just purely clinical Spain's attack was in this game. Um, there was just gaps opening up way too quickly. Um, guys weren't, and I mean, like last week, I remember talking about how there was a couple plays in the Belgium game where a guy would get a line break, but then somebody would come over and cover for it. And it didn't yeah. really amount to much. And watching them this week is, is like, oh, 
the maybe it's the fact that there was a line break at all is probably more of the problem and stuff. Yeah. And then maybe because of the attack, Spain's attack a little bit more dynamic than Belgium's, they're able to like ex- exploit those gaps a lot better than yeah. uh, say Belgium was. Um, like there's a couple instances, obviously, where just like you know, guys miss out of position, missing tackles and stuff. There was that one play, um, that one try. I think it's Jobra's try, um, in which you know Canada, like the forwards are doing a pretty good job defending like the line, right? Yeah. And then Spain decides to go out wide, and the ball yeah. eventually gets to Jobra on the wing. Yeah. And three Canadian defenders yes. all take yeah. the same I know exactly line, about, yeah. and Jobra just like like literally like a bullfighter yeah, just does a little steps. like sidestep, and all three of them just keep going. And it's it seemed to be as though like they were in a those three Canadian players were in a race of getting to the mark the as corner. quickly as they could. Yeah, like, and then yeah, because they were all in a line. Joba, all he need to do was just sidestep, and yeah. the player's momentum means that that three players were it was, immediately it out wasn't of even a sidestep. He just kind of like stopped and then like watched them all go by, and then like I'm gonna go this way now. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like all three players just but, completely. Yeah. There is a couple other ones, like a couple other tries too, and there's so many tries in this game. Trying to remember them all, but there was a couple that you kind of looked at, and it's like the Spanish guys just like jogging in. Yeah, I think there were there was um I think it was the last try of the first half, so that would have been yeah uh, Alonso's first try, I think, yeah. where um Canada had just been defending the line. Um another player had made a break and brought him down, and then um from the ground he offloads to Alonso, who's running onto the ball. And even if he had been tackled, the momentum alone would have brought him over. That's something else that um irritates me in this Canadian attacking platform is that the guys are far too static yeah. on the pitch. Is that and and like that example clearly shows like how dynamic Spain were because mm-hmm. you know a player had gone to ground um and there was only one Canadian on him so he had the opportunity to offload and there's already a player running up to get the ball. I now I can't remember if um, Spain had the advantage or not because if they and if they did and say oh that's Spanish uh, if Alonso had knocked on oh we go back for the scrum. But there's that opportunity and then you have Canada in like the middle of the field and the players are just static and yeah. the Spanish defense is clearly up, can clearly see where the ball's going and if there's only one option of where to go and everyone's just standing around, then of course Spain are going to be able to push up and, you know, set Canada back a few meters with every phase. This, you know, and, you know, it's, I think it's 2022. Attacking rugby has changed. You can't just be standing around. See, see, my question though, too, is also just like, yeah, like, uh, like, yeah, like the the attacks obviously not that dynamic and stuff, but it's like, you know, against Belgium it looks all right, and then it's like against Spain you can't do anything. Well, I mean, you can't do anything, but I mean, you did get four tries and thirty four points. Two of those tries are malls, um, yeah. right? Rumble's try is also off a line out, right? Yeah. Lloyd's try a little bit more in fluent play, yeah. Um, Right. So it's like you got three or four tries kind of off the set piece of the line out. So 
I mean, uh, the tries are nice, but it's like, or how much are you creating in like open field? Right. Like when you have those, like when you have like a counter attack opportunity and stuff, like how much are you able to create with that? Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it, it is. Um, but it's like, you know, sometimes I guess, I guess last week against Belgium, like we were like, it looked nice. And then, you know, it's, uh, I think a bit of a reality check sometimes it's like, okay, like maybe just cause it works against Belgium. Maybe it's not going to work against teams that, I mean, I know we're talking about Spain, but teams that should be in the world cup. Yeah. Right. It's like, maybe there's a, there's another level that the attack might have to reach. Um, cause I mean, at the end of the day, like, even though 34 points are scored, you still, you lost by 23. Right. So, um, but it's, uh, yeah. So it's like that. I think that's tough. I mean, it's, uh, honestly, I think like this game, um, really like the course of the game really to me felt like every time you'd see something positive from Canada, it was followed up by something that was negative or whatever. Like there was very few moments where it's like, we're stringing together a whole bunch of positive play. Um, I think one of the best examples of this um, was, you know, the uh, Luke Campbell had a breakdown steal that Ross Brody, you know, gathered and then hit this sweet 50-22 kick. Yes. Um, to pin to pin Spain in yeah. the, um, like, at the five-meter line. And, yeah. like, we watched that play, and it's like, that play's brilliant. It's like, it's a yeah. great tackle. Um, Campbell is right there. Um you know, does a great job, gets the ball clean, doesn't it's not even a penalty, gets the ball clean, gets it back to Brody. Um, Brody spots that gap in the uh, the Spanish um defense because they haven't really transitioned yet, because they're probably not expecting that steal. And you know, he uh they he gets the 50-22 and it's perfect. Yeah, right? so like exactly where you would want that to be, and then they botch the line out. Yeah. They, they go for a long line-out, and I can't remember yeah. if that was the first Long line-outs weren't working. Yeah. Every time they went long. But here's the, the funny thing, though, too, is it's like the long the, the line-out options to, like, the deeper guy weren't working. But, but I think Spain also knew that, and Spain, like, just took complete advantage of that, either yeah. by disrupting it or when Spain had their own line-outs, they were going deep. Yeah. A lot of them, too. Right. And it was it seemed like something that Canada couldn't quite compete with yeah. um, for a lot of the game. And um, yeah, I think, I think that's, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, there's, there's obviously there's a lot of that. I mean, I think we can, you can probably go through like every single one of Spain's tries and dissect like, you know, the missed tackle here, the blown coverage here. Um, I think, I think ultimately in this game, it's like the defensive structure is kind of the thing that stands out as the glaring negative. Um, right. And I mean, you know, it's, uh, like the, the positive thing, it's like, it, it is good to see that, um, you know, Canada did kind of come back Canada seemed to like have a bit more energy, I guess, toward the end of the game. when like, I, I think Kingsley Jones might've waited too long to put the subs on. Yeah. Especially in a game that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, like, you know what I mean? Like Michael Smith only played 10 minutes. Um, he's yeah. the best Canadian. He's probably the best, you know, one of the best Canadian. He was probably the best Canadian player in the MLR this year. Um, right. Only played 10 minutes. Um, right. Liam Murray came on in like what the 75th minute. Right. Like, um, you know what I mean? And I think like part of that too, is I think like 
just like general maybe squad selection for that, right? Because Roland obviously was ruled out late. And yeah. um, Roland and Il Nicky are the only two tight heads that were on the team. Yeah. Right. So then Roland got rolled out late, which means the bench ended up being um, Murray and Sears Duru, yeah. or both loose heads. Right. Which Cole Keith obviously has played tight head a lot. Um, but Canada seems to really want him to be a loose head. Right. So it's like, but because of that lineup structure and whatever, because, um, that squad selection is also like, um, you know, now that Roland's hurt, now you, you have Cole Keith in a position where he's got to p- probably play the vast majority of the game because you need that tight head if there's a scrum. But because of that, it's like, well, you know, a guy like Liam Murray that could probably use some game experience and stuff only ends up with, you know, five minutes at the end of a, you know, 23-point blowout, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, although he was part of the uh, the mall that got McRogers' try. So, I mean, he did have a contra- positive contribution anyway, so good for him. Um, I said it's nice to see Oruru get a, get a big shift. Um, um, Von Dadelsen as well, like he came in, he got his first cap again with only 10 minutes left. Um, you know, Higgins came in with like 13 minutes left. Yeah. Um, you know, same with Graydon Boyd, um, you know, 13 minutes left and it's like, you know, in a game you're down by, like you went into halftime down 40 to 13. Like I would have liked to just be like, yeah, just let him go. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like you don't need to, um, you don't need to like, like, it's not that I want to be like, you don't need to win the game, but like you're here to give guys experience and stuff. Right. So, yeah. I, um, the other thing too, I wasn't, um, how did you like, even like watching the game, I'm like, I'm not sure how I felt about going for penalties early. I'm like, I know, no. like, and just again, from the point of view of the game doesn't really mean anything, right? And yeah. I'm like, I know Peter Nelson can kick. Yeah. Right. Like, what do you like? Let's go. Like, what do you learn from Peter Nelson kicking that? Yeah. It's like, look, go learn something about the team. Like, be like, yeah. Or even like use the games as like an opportunity to be like, okay, sweet. Like we have a penalty here, right? It's like, why not? Like, let's try a set piece play off a scrum that we haven't yeah. used in the game yet. Yeah. You know, like let's take an opportunity to try things, even if it's tactically not the best option in the moment. Right. But it's like, you can like, these games are opportunities to build towards the world cup qualifiers. Yeah. You want to have that, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, when, so the first penalty came in the ninth minute. So this is yeah. shortly after um, Del Hoyos uh, and Spain's first try of the game. And at that point, I would have been like, no, you know what? Kick for the corner. Try a driving uh, mall from the line out. See if you can like match the intensity. Um and then, because the, the next penalty is in the like, 19th minute, after which uh, Spain have had like two more tries. And if they, and if say that effort had come to naught um, of the, uh, of a driving mall from like the original penalty. And the second point, I've been like, you know what, just get some points on the board just so it's not a uh, shutout loss. Yeah. But no, it's, 
Yeah, but I mean, for in the ninth minute, yeah, just kick for the corner and just try yeah. something new. Try, yeah, go for it. Especially since it's like you kind of look at that situ- the situation, the way the game played out, as we just mentioned, three of the four tries came off. Um, as much as we're saying the, the lineout wasn't very good, three of the four tries were off yeah. the lineout as the starting platform for that, right? Um, so I, th- I think, yeah, I think that's kind of where my ultimately, I think that's kind of where my frustration lasts. Like, I would just like to see. I would like to see them just trying more things, but also like, you know, kind of back to the lineup. I mean, like uh, looking at it, it's like, you know, Dawson Fatorik got 61 minutes or it's not 61 minutes. He came in in the 61st minute and yeah. stuff like he was the first real like sub to come like Sears Duru came on for El Nikki at the 55th minute. But I mean, Sears Duru is a vet on this team. Um so, but like for all the younger guys and stuff, but also just, you know, they, they shifted, he like they, the lineup got shifted around a little bit where they had Corey Thomas at, um, you know, Corey Thomas playing instead of Josh Larson at lock, yeah. but then like, like what, like Luke Campbell starting at eight. And I'm like, man, like, why not see like, like, wouldn't you rather, like, I don't know, why not try like Botcher or like Carson that, you know, in uh, one of those two. Like, you know, Carson could have been, you know, at lock instead of you could have you could have Botcher come in instead of like, why not? Like, like the the younger guys are on the team. And I mean, you really look at what the squad was picked before. Right. Because like like Quatrin got hurt. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing in like maybe the captain's run or warm up or whatever, whenever, whatever the timeline is um, for his injury. Um, Right. So like McRogers wasn't even going to play. Yeah. And, you know, like it's right. Like, uh, you know, if, if you're going to like bring these guys on, like, don't you, I said, cause it's like, uh, again, like a guy, like, like there's, there's so many players on the team that are getting game time right now that it feels like that are like, these guys are going to be like, there's a lot of players on in this squad getting the bulk of the minutes that say by the time the next world cup rolls around are going to be, like 35 36 years old right because yeah. by the time the the next sorry by the time the next world cup that canada can play in rolls around yeah right like they'll be like you know 34 35 36 years old and i mean i suppose you might need you're gonna need them most likely to qualify for that world cup yeah stuff but it's like you know you're kind of you're like you're it's uh you're a rebuilding team, right? So why not look to a few of the younger guys, especially you know, in games um that you know don't have that big of an impact other than maybe a shift in the world rankings, which I mean isn't that big of a deal really. Um so like like yeah, so like why why not take a shot at some of those guys? Like you you put them on the squad, right? Like so why yeah. not why not use them if they're on the squad, right? Yeah. And um so I, I don't know. And obviously there's a ton of injuries. Um, and obviously from like the squad point of view too, there's a ton of injuries and a ton of guys playing in Europe that yeah. still just remain question marks as to where they are. Yeah. Right? And um, obviously that's, that's probably like the, the number one thing that rugby Canada needs to address right now yeah. is like how, like how to get those guys to come like i don't even know if it's come back but like how do we like you know is is it like how do we get them to join beyond the team again or whatever 
you know, whatever, whatever that barrier is, like, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but it's like, it feels like they just, they just feel like a notable absence every single time. Yeah. Well, one thing to mention is that between now and the men's next fixture, which will be against the yeah. All Blacks 15, uh, wherever that is, um, is that Nathan Bombris will have taken over the reins as CEO of Rugby Canada. So it may be a case of between now and then um, some changes begin to emerge yeah. in the structure of Rugby Canada. Um well- Maybe that will mean a change in the coaching staff. I guess we'll just have to you, wait and see. Yeah. I don't right. know. I think, like, do you think that there's going to be a change in the coaching staff? I mean, if, if there's not, don't. No, I'm not asking turn. if you think no. there should be. I'm asking if you think there will be. It's two different questions. There needs to be. So there should. So, yes. So that wasn't the question, though. Do I think there will be? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, that's, that's fair enough. I think, like, I mean, yeah, Bombry's taking over. I mean, he's obviously got to do... He has to... Gotta do something, something has to change. Yeah. And and if you are... And if it is going to be like Canada is hosting the All Blacks 15, you don't want it to be like the USA last year. You don't want to have um, a game where they're losing by over 100 points. Um, no. You want you, no. and I know it's not going to be the same because it's that not was the full, first fifteen. That was a full powered All Blacks. Well, I guess I mean, as we talked about, it's not like the All Blacks fifteen is going to be pushovers. Um, yeah. I think like the other thing too, though, like, um, I think one of the things I think that that kind of does need to be done is like, um, you know, there was the attendance for this game, yeah. reported by America's Rugby News, was four thousand one hundred and seventy. Yeah. Right, and. You know, you kind of look at a lot of the social media and stuff, and it's like, I think, and I think it got brought up a little bit in that high performance review, kind of the relationship with like the fan base and the rugby community as a whole. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm just like, like, I hope, I hope we're not like, I hope the team's performance right now and it's like everybody's i guess kind of view of rugby canada is at a very low point and you know kind of watching some of the social media, it's like i just kind of hope that we're not hitting the point where it's like most of the fan base seems to be just turning like to apathy towards this program i I'm, i think uh for a vocal minority that has now already happened because mm-hmm. from if you look at like professional sport and you see, for example, in another sport, Italy uh, didn't qualify for the FIFA World Cup that's happening later this year. Yeah. Even though they are the defending European champions. Yeah. They, they failed to qualify. The head coach resigns because you can't yeah. continue doing that. And then, with, and then you turn around with Rugby Canada and it's like for the first time ever, Canada have failed to qualify for the men's uh, Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Kingsley Jones is still here. And that this is the point where people are saying that, look, if the organization wants to keep the same person that failed to qualify for the first time, why should I remain invested? Yeah. I think I think that's that's that I think I think you might be on to something there. Cause I think like right now, like 
that might be, might be what Bombrius has to do when he does show up, right? Is so you have to make yeah. you have to make a move in some capacity. Yeah. Because it's like right now, you know, since that game against Chile, the high performance review, the only move that's been made is Alan Vanson's out, and then they hired Nathan Bombrius as CEO. Right. Uh, they, they, they shifted I, the women's so the women's yeah. around, but for the, the women's men, but, no, yeah, exactly. for the men's teams, nothing's happened. Yeah, they, they changed the coach for the most successful team, um, but they haven't. Uh, but you know, yeah. it's if anything, just leave the women's it, team. You know, leave work. the women's 15s alone. Yeah, but it's, change uh, the men's 15s. Yeah, but like, but that's the thing. It's like I think I think you're kind of at the point, and like you said, right? There's no other games for this the men's 15s team until late October. Yeah, um, against the All Blacks 15, and. It's like, so that's, what is that, four months? Four, five, four months? Um, right? So, like... Yeah, th- about three months. Yeah, three, three, and uh, a yeah, three months. Yeah. Math's hard. Um, but it's, uh, like, you know, you have that. And it's like, that's a lot of time to kind of make a move. And I think that's, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of something that everybody is kind of, like, looking to for. Um, because I, I think, the like, the general tone and stuff of... Like, if you read social media, it's like every, like, a lot of the comments I put, because it's like, I don't know, I try to keep, like, I mean, we kind of try to keep the show generally positive. Like, even if there's, you know, uh, you know, big losses and stuff, we do, we, and we do try to take the time to put out, like, point out, like, the positive things and stuff. Like, I, like, you know, I mean, like, you know, some, as we mentioned, it's like it's cool to see Jack McRogers score his first try. Yeah. Uh, that 50 that steal by Campbell and the 50 22 kick by Brody that happened right after was an unreal play. If you just isolate that 15 seconds of the of yeah. the game, like that was, you know, that's um was exceptional work from those players. Yeah. Right. And uh, you can highlight the positive and stuff, but it's like I'm starting to notice now too. It's like when I send like tweets or any comments online that have a positive thing, it's always like it's starting to come back to it's like yeah, but the score is 45 to 13, and I'm yeah. like yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah. Right? So it's like that's the kind of stuff that's starting to happen, where it's like, um, you know, and, and all the positive things that are kind of any positive thing that might be there that you can kind of bring up is starting to just get shrugged off. Right. And it's, yeah, I think it's getting to the point where the, the fan base is a whole, like looking online and stuff. It's like, even if there is a positive thing that you can talk about from the game, it's yeah. like, you know, people are going to see that 57 34 score line and be like, or especially the halftime score line. Yeah. My goodness, the halftime score line was bad. Yeah. Right. And people yeah. are and- that and be like, well, like, I mean, like, yeah. it has to be fixed or whatever. And yeah. You could be like, yeah, it's it's cool that you score, like, you scored the try and stuff and be like, yeah, but right. Uh, much like the idea that the, they won the second half and then you go, yeah, but the first half's the problem, right? Yeah. Like, there's always. And, and also they'll say, like, look, I know weed's legal in Canada, but what have you guys been smoking? Because, yeah, it's, you know, have some of it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, well. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Trying. I think, I think, you do, I think. There's just gotta be, be something, man, and I don't, I don't know. Like it's, um, I honestly, I, I think that uh, even for that, like I think the team and the program, like I mean, it'll be cool for the All Blacks 15 game, um, to get hyped up. I think it'll be, I think honestly for the men's team, it might be a very good thing to like, you know, have this little bit of a break, 
um, not during a COVID year. So it's like, maybe you can get some guys together to train. Maybe you can have some camps in the summer. Yeah. You probably get the women's world cup to distract the rugby community from anything that they're doing. Right. Because yeah. we're all going to be, we're all going to be locked into the women's world cup for two months. Yeah. Right. And then they can, you know, they can kind of maybe fly under the radar a little bit, maybe sort out what they want. We know what they want to do, whether that's from the point of view of the coaching staff, work out squad selection, figure out the direction um, and the philosophies that you want to take the defense structure, that you want to take the attack structure, take some of that time to kind of figure that out while most of the Canadian rugby community is probably going to be focused on the women's team because they're going to be playing in the probably the biggest rugby world cup in uh, women's rugby history right now. Yeah. Um, right. And like kind of, like and uh, one that the Canadian women's team has a good shot of, you know, making a, like a final four appearance or even winning. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's like so that might be actually. I think that might actually be like a really good thing for the 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 Canadians men's fifteens program is to like have a little bit of that time off. Um, yeah, make moves in silence. Yeah, make yeah, exactly. Well, not so much make moves in silence, but like you can you have like two. I guess maybe two months to really kind of work that out. Um, Your moves are going to be, and then you also have the women's world cup. So you're not going to be the focus this year because none of the men's games that are going to take place this year are going to be bigger than any of the women's games that will. And, you know, you come back after the women's world cups, you can play a match against a fun team um, like the all blacks 15, Right. Um, which is always going to be a cool match. Right. And, you know, maybe you get some younger guys in that, let them have a, the experience of like seeing a Haka um, yeah. being on the field for that. Right. And, you know, it's, um, you know, we talked about last week how it's like the All Blacks might be the one brand that could, you know, sell a lot of tickets. Uh, hopefully that's the case. Um, you know, kind of, uh, I mean, probably hypocritical of me to say it because I didn't go, but it is kind of disappointing to see like, you know, the, the low attendance for the Ottawa match. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's, uh, but I mean, that's also probably a bit of the state. So of uh, rugby Canada, the men's 15 right now. Right. So um, I think, I think uh, much like anyone, it's like, I think it, it might be good for them to just kind of take a bit of, bit of a, not so much a break, but like, you know, be able to step back, let all the guys, let all the guys that played in MLR or whatever. It's like, you guys go have like a vacation somewhere, take yeah. a little bit of time off, post the MLR season, post these, these matches. And, um, you know, hopefully it gives time for, uh, you know, like you said, Bomberies to come in, evaluate the men's 15 program and, maybe hopefully start making some changes that might be necessary. And it's like, there's, there's not a game that goes by where if social media, Canadian rugby, social media is not flooded with like comments about, you know, all the staff members and yeah. changed and stuff. And it's, I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be tough for those individuals to be constantly reading as well, but it's um fortunately the nature of pro sports sometimes, but, you know i don't know um we yeah. shall see yeah 57 to 34 it's a, a tough yeah. one yeah all right we're gonna move on to the youngsters that are making their way in 
professional rugby in Canada because we had the Arrows Academy taking on the Canada Under-20 East in a game, I should say, and in quotation marks, because it wasn't um, two halves of 40 minutes. It was three periods of 25 minutes. So probably closer to a hockey uh, game than an actual rugby game in terms of uh, time played. Um, Very close game. In fact, some of the players on the Canada Under-20 East team are members of the Arrows Academy. So, you know, some familiar faces on uh, both sides. Um, but the game was won with the final uh, score, uh, final try of the match. And it led to the Academy claiming the victory 26 to 20. So very close game. Uh, you know, summer rugby, who doesn't love that? And, you know, great performance by all the young guys. And it has also been announced today on Monday, the 11th of July, that the Arrows Academy will have some fixtures coming up this month. Um, They will have that fixture against the New England Independents at Crusaders Park in Oakville. That will be on July 23rd. So this was a fixture that was meant to happen, I believe, the Victoria Day weekend, but... um, for whatever reason, the independents couldn't make the trip. Now they are fulfilling that um, obligation, and we will have that match at Crusaders Park. But a big announcement of a game that will happen on July 28th, so that'll be a Thursday, is that the Owls Academy will be playing Melrose RFC. So the Scottish club will be doing a tour of North America, it seems, and one of their opponents will be the Arrows Academy. Uh, For those that don't know, um, Melrose RFC are the club that created Rugby Sevens. Um, So, you know, a lot of history with the club that's been around since uh, the 1880s. And, you know, some very famous uh, players have played for Melrose RFC, including Doddy Weir. And in fact, two of his sons will be on that touring squad to play the Arrows Academy. Um, They will be playing at Sherwood Forest Park in Burlington. And again, that will be on Thursday, July 28th. And if it's to go by other games that the Arrows Academy have played, that this will be free entry for spectators. So if you want to get the chance to witness um, a team that is basically rugby history uh, playing against the Arrows Academy, uh, I'd suggest uh, making your way to Burlington for July 28th. Uh, now we move on to MLR because they have announced their all MLR teams, their first 15, their second 15, and their honorable mentions, which are pretty much a third 15 because they just list a call it the third 15. team. Yeah, the third 15. We'll, we'll just call it that now. Yeah, this um, is the third team all stars. Yeah, so these are all the um, players that MLR have decided to have. Um, ranked in a game. So if you are a Canadian or an Arrows fan, uh, these are the placements. Um, Cole Keith was named in the second 15, along with Andrew Coe on the wing. And Sam Malcolm was named in the third 15 as well. And that really concludes any Canadian involvement in Ah. the teams. I mean, obviously, when you have the... uh, playoff teams being Seattle, New York, and, um, you know, Houston, uh, San San Diego, New England, Atlanta. Obviously, those teams are going to form the bulk of mm-hmm. the squad. So then we have uh, 
And then we have and the announcement today. I think they're going through the um, player individual awards. So last year they had uh, forward of the year, back of the year, player of the year, coach of the year, team of the year as well. Um, I can't really uh, remember. The that. team of the year is the team that has the shield. I mean, that is fair. But, um, <laughs> but then again, they may throw in new awards that we do or don't know about. Either way, um, it's been announced today that Bowden Walker, to the surprise of no one, has been named as MLR's Player of the Year. So uh, congratulations on that award, Bowden. I, I know you're a huge fan of the show and you're listening every single week. Um, one, thing I, one thing that I um, was shocked with the uh, teams of, uh, you know, the first, second and third 15, mm-hmm. uh, no mention of Michael Smith at all. No, or Josh Larson. Yeah, so um, there either um, clearly incorrect. And, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I mean, in the um, press release for this, they actually name Andrew Coe as Andrew Cow. So clearly, there's been a huge <laughs> miscarriage of justice yeah. going on here. And I expect to have first of all, I expect the honorable mention team just to be named the third fifteen, and we can just get past <laughs> this. Um, and you know, uh, players' names to be spelt correctly as well. And I, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, good uh, centers in here, like Billy Meeks. Uh, no, yeah. sorry, not centers. Some, some, somebody, somebody called Billy Meeks the, their back of the year on our previous show. So, yeah. Um, but sorry, what was it? Um, the back rows, you know, you got Lance Williams, Brenda O'Connor, Lachlan McCaffrey, Rickard Hatting, Slade McDowell, Hanko Gurmachais. Um, Ben Manasso, Corey Daniel, William Conradi. And I mean, one of those has to be a spelling mistake that should read Michael Smith, but I can't see <laughs> which one. Yeah, like, I, I I have no issue with Slade McDowell. I mean, yeah. the, the, the guy uh, was top 10 in tries and top 10 in like tackles or top five in tries, top five. Through top, yeah, um, you know, so I mean, that's all around great season from him. Brandon O'Connor. I would maybe flip McDowell and O'Connor in all honesty. O'Connor might be getting an edge because he was on the uh, the championship team there. Um, I I think Smith was better than Daniel over the course of the year, though. Um, so I'll, I'll go with that um, as my my swap out for Smith. But um, yeah, um, and I think probably like Samu. I I, I feel like like I think. Seattle has seven guys on this team. They're the second highest team. Represent- I mean, they did finish runners up in yeah, the championship but they shouldn't have so. But like, they finished runners up, but they also didn't make the playoffs until two teams got DQ'd. That is right? true. Like, you know what I mean? And I mean, like, the the league's obviously not necessarily shying away from honoring the LA and Austin players that had good years because they're um, like you know well represented yeah. on these two teams as well. Um, so like um, so yeah, like I, I don't know. I think they they might be a little they might be a little overrepresented. I have no issue with like Matthews hatting. Like I don't really have any issues with like Matthews Hatting, um, Lopetti. Yeah. Um, right. Like those those three guys definitely definitely deserve their spots. Um, oh, and Alatimu. Alatimu should be up there too. But yeah. Um, you know, but like I don't know. I kind of think that's where where it might end for Seattle to me. But 
um, you know, they'll, they'll get the little, they'll get, I guess they're getting a little bit of a bump for being the, the team in the finals, obviously. Um, same with like rugby, New York too, right. They're obviously the most represented team in the league because I mean, the fact that they won the championship probably helps them out with that too. Um, Cole Keith, nice to see him. You know, uh, first team or second team all-star. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that was great to see, uh, Keith get those honors there. And, um, you know, uh, Sam Malcolm is where he should be on this list too, based on this year. Um, as yeah. I mentioned, Bowden Walker, the undisputed, um, best player in the league this year. Um, AJ Alatimu, um, was phenomenal for Seattle down the stretch and, you know, ultimately a big reason too why they were able to make their playoff push um as six you know take advantage of that house money that they were given and uh you know make the most out of the their playoff push so i mean alatimo's in there um overall i mean smith smith and larson i am a little disappointed to not see on there but um at the end of the day i don't really have any real issue with the squads yeah all three of them like other than maybe maybe shifting some of the guys around based on their first, second, or third. yeah, that makes sense. But um, no real like glaring, glaring yeah. errors to me. Yeah. But uh, so I'm going like through the there. press release. I'm just uh, so I've just noticed this. So MLR's awards for um, the things of the year, uh, player of the year. They're gonna have forward, uh, back of the year. They're having rookie of the year and coach of the year. So. Um, by our guess, this has been recorded on the um, July 11th, on the Monday. Um, so if they've done player of the year, it's likely tomorrow they'll do forward of the year, Wednesday back of the year, Thursday rookie of the year, and then close out the week with coach of the year. In theory, but we shall see. And that's where we are going to end the podcast tonight. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple Podcasts. If you want to watch more of our podcasts, including exclusive videos, you can do so on our YouTube channel at The Rouge Rugby. We are available across social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, at The Rouge Rugby. But Derek, if people want to find you, where can they do so? I'm at Percept the Jet across all social media platforms. Literally every every single one that you can think of. Type in Percept the Jet on there. And I'm across social media as Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. We have a few things planned for upcoming podcasts, hopefully including next week. But at present, we shall be taking a break from the pod. Unfortunately, this means that we will be missing the Canadian women's match against Italy, and for that, we apologise, though we aim to keep commentary of the match going on our Twitter account. We shall be back in mid-August, in time for the MLR Collegiate Draft and the Canadians women's match against Wales, as well as the build-up towards the Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. We hope you can join us again when we return.